Hello, everybody, and welcome to Toronto Rock Total Access. I'm Mike Hancock, along with Kyle Davis. We are going to get you caught up on everything going on. Of course, it's the playoffs. Everything gets going this Saturday night in Toronto. The New England Black Wolves and the Toronto Rock meeting in the NLL East Division semifinal. But first, Kyle, let's talk about how the Toronto Rock got to this point. Of course, going into the weekend, there was about uh, a billion scenarios that existed as to what just may transpire, but the Rock knew that they had clinched a playoff spot Friday night when the Rochester Nighthawks lost to the Georgia Swarm. And then on Saturday, the Rock took care of their business. Vancouver took care of the Rock's business, we'll say, beating New England as well. And that meant that the Rock were hosting a home playoff game. But uh, diving into the game against Buffalo, not pretty at times. The offense needed to score a lot of goals to win, gave up 15 goals. Uh, But the good news is the offense scored 19 goals, something that we've talked about many times on this show is that if the offense can support the defense, sometimes on nights when things aren't going well at that end, you're going to win a lot of lacrosse games. Yeah, for sure. It was, uh, you know, you're not going to lose any, you know, putting up 19. It was great to see the offense come alive. And it was just to touch base on the overall weekend. It was a, we were teeing it up kind of last week on the show. There just a, a wild turn of events all around, you know, Vancouver, New England going to overtime in a game that when I was tracking it, I never thought it was going like, there's no reason that should be in overtime. Vancouver up, you know, a couple goals, lots of goals actually late. Uh, then Toronto, you know, they were they were down, they were in it, they were down again. It looked like this one might, you know, maybe looking not so good for the boys, and they battled back. You know, I would score Buffalo 7-1 in the fourth quarter. That's obviously huge. Uh, we, we spoke about the offense. It was, for me, a positive sign to see in such a crucial game. Brett Hickey goes 5-5. Five and five. Steph LeBlanc goes 0-8. Oh Both key contributors up front. Just guys that have been around this team for for a while, and obviously, I'm sure took the, you know, last year not being in the playoffs pr- pretty hard uh, for them to when when it was all in the line step up the way they did. I thought that was a great sign. Obviously, Tom being Tom again, putting up another hat trick, shows the depth of the team. You know, I was I don't think Rosie got got the help he was, you know, deserving or. or while he was in there, but the fact that Miller could go in and and you know shut the door. To, to get the boys, obviously, the ultimate goal of picking up the win and locking up the, the home game at the time, which I'm sure they didn't even, I mean, no, maybe they did, maybe they didn't. Uh, both games were going on at the same time. But, yeah, great overall effort to, to pull that one out and even just to, st- you know, pick up a win, something we haven't talked about a lot on this show of late. So that was it's good. Good, going, good stuff going into the playoffs this weekend. Yeah, I mean, the last thing that you wanted to hear was the uh, slow beep, beep, beep of the uh, garbage truck backing into the playoffs here with, uh, you know, potentially another loss. But um, the feeling, the mood, the vibe in the dressing room, talk about recharging the batteries. I mean, to see the guys come off the floor Saturday night in Buffalo, you know, you hadn't seen that in a while for sure because there had been a string of losses here in a row, uh, four in a row to be exact. But... um, you could tell there's there's been a little bit of a recharge happen here for sure, and everybody's a lot more upbeat. And, and you know, not only the fact that The Rock won, but like we've mentioned, the fact that, you know, <clears throat> not only this past Saturday night, but we've been talking about this for the last month, that everything has gone this team's way in terms of other teams' results pretty well. I mean, with the exception of maybe if there was some way Georgia could have fallen back to the pack, um, you know, nobody took advantage of The Rock losing. No one. Right. I mean, Buffalo was still alive. They end up, you know, losing 
a tight one in Georgia after beating Toronto a couple of weeks ago that pretty much sealed their fate. They could have been playing in a play-in game essentially against the Rock this past weekend. Uh, you know, Rochester, tall order, but they were right there too. They could have they could have won and triggered a three-way tie and, um, you know, the way it turned out with New England losing. So it's, uh, it's one of those things where it was like, okay, finally it was like a big exhale, I think, for everybody knowing that in this situation, <clears throat> the team took care of their own business and um, it's a brand new season. You know, the team finishes 9-9, nine and nine, four one-goal losses thrown in there like we've talked about and, and beating this dead horse all year. But, it, you know, a, a great turnaround season. We're going to go through some of our award picks here as well. But uh, we talk about Brandon Miller and, and how he came in in that game as well and just did what he had to do. Wasn't necessarily spectacular, but, you know, only allowed seven goals over 40 minutes of work in there after Nick had given up uh, eight goals in the first 20 minutes of the game and, and like you mentioned, didn't get the support that uh, really he was going to need or the team was going to need in order to be successful. And, you know, there was times even, you know, you look at it, the Rock were down 15-12 in this game and scored the last seven goals of the game, something that, you know, Going into that game, if you if you hit the pause button at 15-12 watching that game and didn't know the result, you know, would you have said, given what's happened over the previous few weeks of the season, was there any chance that this team was going to rattle off seven goals in a row and win the game? No, I definitely uh, definitely wouldn't have said that. My money would have been on Buffalo wrapping that up. Uh, not that the team, I mean, don't have faith in the team for doing it. Just, I mean, in recent trends, what we've talked about. Yeah. And, and I find it... I guess ironic is what we've been coming on the show and, you know, asking Coach Maddie, ask Coach Blaine, I think we asked Brody as well. The team seems to be giving up five, six, seven goal runs of late. And to turn that around and for them to be on the other side of, you know, going on a run like that and Buffalo couldn't stop it. And it was uh, it was definitely a positive change and something obviously that was obviously needed to, to get where they are now. And just very good, you know, momentum, I guess, finishing that fourth quarter like that and you know taking that into a big practice tonight and taking that to Saturday at home yeah and this uh this game Saturday night against the New England Black Wolves we'll uh we'll dive into it uh as well after we uh chat with head coach Matty Sawyer as well but uh we've got a lot of stuff to go over here on the show still but we'll we'll save that for the back half of the program uh we are going to do our awards our league awards and we'll we'll dive a little bit deeper Kyle's got has done some a plus research (laughs) getting ready oh i'm giving you an a plus you already you kind of let the cat out of the bag in the pre-show meeting that we had but uh some good stuff some good stuff to throw at the the listeners so make sure if you're uh if you're if you're dialed in you don't want to be leaving this podcast early because there is some gold to be found (laughs) at the end of this thing so um but still just to dive a little bit into the uh again into the toronto buffalo game this past week uh, you mentioned Steph LeBlanc has eight assists. Brett Hickey, with five goals and five assists, quietly put together a very similar season to his 50-goal year two years ago. And we've talked many times off-air that with the injuries, the turnover, and whatnot coming into this year, you had to pencil Hickey in for 50 goals, we thought. you know, And he ends up with 45 and misses a game he almost hits that bang on what he did two years ago. Yeah, which is crazy. Like, anytime, I think it was 150 goal scorer in the league this year. It was Dixon, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, for him to, you know, get 45, and a, not many people 
like you said, a quiet 45. Not many people. It kind of snuck up on us even here. Like, wow, Hickey's, you know, he's at 40 goals here going in the final game of the season, and he, he stepped up huge. And, you know, obviously it's, a, it's huge for the team, and it's huge bounce back. For him personally, um, you know, after last year going through some riddled with a couple injuries, and if you you took the the year, I'm sure it's one he would want back or wouldn't mind a redo at. So for him to to step up the way he's done, and and we've talked about it before, such a success story, Brett Hickey, and from where you know where his lacrosse, his professional cross career started, and you know, kind of up and down roller coaster, bit of a ride, into where he is now, and a prolific goal scorer in this league. It's it's surreal and. The Toronto Rock are reaping the benefits from it right now. And while he was in the midst of his 50-goal season two years ago, I can just remember every week it seemed, <clears throat> pardon me, like it was two goals here, three goals here, two goals here, three goals here every single week. And we didn't really see that this year from him every single week. I mean, two years ago we did have the seven-goal game against Vancouver that really kind of put him in range, I guess, of the 50-goal mark. But, you know, this year, it, it like you say, this season – this. 45 goal season kind of snuck up on us and when you look at the overall goal scoring leaders yeah you're right you know Curtis Dixon the only other guy with over 50 or the only goal guy sorry with over 50 goals he was uh came in at 54 Corey Small at 46 so only two guys in the league scored more goals than Brad Hickey this year and I mean you gotta like that going in and and to sit there and and think you're going up against a New England team that is is fairly prolific up front as well um they've got some guys that can hurt you but you know so do the rock brett hickey tom schreiber who you know had another uh, a little bit of a, a bounce back game i think in the in the second half especially um and then steph leblanc eight assists like not really ever considered the setup guy so to speak but you know teams moving the ball efficiently at times and Steph's a part of that, and, and he's picking up points, and that means the team is scoring goals. For sure, and, uh, you know, another guy who we said qu- fairly quietly, like, put up a, a great season himself point-wise, and uh, I think with Hickey and Schreiber being so, like, predominant on the right side, I mean, teams, I'm sure, were in their – not, you know, I'm not in the dressing rooms, obviously, but when they're drawing up the pregame plan for Toronto, they're looking at the left side, they're seeing – you know, a uh, first-year guy in Ricardo, uh, like a second-year guy in Evans. You know, like sure, LeBlanc's a the guy there on the left side that's been around the league that has done some damage. Teams really know. No disrespect to the other guys. Obviously, great players. They're, uh, you know, still finding their way a, a bit in the league. But he's uh, obviously drawn a lot of attention. And for him to, uh, to to chip in like that and put up the season he did as well, it's uh, it's a positive. If, if you could have – you know those three big guys going into the playoffs and feeling good about their game I, I think that's a positive uh, that Toronto should be you know hoping it carries on and looks to capitalize one thing we are going to jump into with Matt Sawyer when he stops by on the show today goaltending it's a question that's being asked by the fans um, we'll ask him if he is going to name a starter before Saturday night, uh, Brandon Miller, of course, came in and played really well in relief of Nick Rose. There is no doubt about that. But I'll pose this question to you before we pose it to Maddie. Who do you start in net on Saturday night? Is it even a question? Uh, well, I'm sure. I'm sure as a coach, you weigh every option, uh, whether it's you know how serious you weigh it, like. 
even if it pops in your head for a second, that means you've thought about it. But personally, I don't don't I don't know if it is a question to be honest. You 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 got Nick Rose, who's the top of every goaltending category in the league. And this is no disrespect to Brandon Miller. He came in and did a job that was needed from the team, and he did it great. Um, but Nick Rose has been your guy from start to finish. Like I said, he's top in all the goaltending categories. You, you live and die with your with the guy that you went with all year. And, uh, you know, he put up being pulled, obviously not ideal for him, but I think, you know, there was maybe a little more to that. And obviously change momentum. He was getting kind of hung out to dry there. I have no doubt, you know, between – playing against him watching him grow up and he's going to be rebounding with a solid game he knows what the you know the playoffs he's a big game player won mintos uh played in big games before i have no doubt that he's ready to go and gonna bounce back so i i guess the answer to the question for me personally would be i would go back with rose i mean you know you know worst case scenario we we know we just saw brandon miller can come off the bench and and stop a game if he has to and really change momentum uh, obviously in a perfect world doesn't get to that but I think uh, Nick 66 will be in to start the game Saturday I have to agree I mean 10.82 uh, goals against average tops in the National Lacrosse League this year uh, obviously the defense in front of whatever goaltender is in net always has an impact on things and this team has proven that uh, they can play very well um, with Nick Rose in goal and uh, you know you look at you know the games this year, especially the game in Toronto, a 10-9 uh, overtime win by the Black Wolves. You know, Rosie lets in nine goals in regulation, which is well below the league average, below his, you know, average uh, outing as well. So um, he's proven that he can do that against this team this year. And like you say, the, the Brandon Miller factor, um, he hadn't played a lot of lacrosse in the last 365 days, let's face it. Um, you know, Rosie kind of came in the second half of last season, Brandon was a little bit banged up uh, at the time, and and Rosie kind of got this team almost back into contention before the injury bug literally hit. It felt like half the roster around mid-March, um, and Rosie was, you know, probably the most dominant goaltender in this league for the first two months of the season. So um, I, I can't see it being anybody other than Nick Rose, and we'll have to see if if Matt Sawyer wants to. Uh, let the cat out of the bag here on the podcast if uh, or the, if there is even a cat to be let out of the bag and that this is really just a no-brainer. Nick Rose started all 18 games this year for the Toronto Rock and and why in the world would suddenly you decide that game number 19, the most important one of your season, you're not going to start him in? Do you think it's typical Toronto? I'm going to refer to us as Toronto media oh, here all right. <laughs> on the podcast sparking up a controversy that's not even there, potentially. Yeah, I, I think absolutely. I mean, uh, really, when you think about it, you're right. There really isn't a controversy. And I, I think the answer from Matt Sawyer, I don't, uh, you know, we're, this is our maybe our own future headlines here, but <laughs> I, I, I think he may just uh, may just name the starter right here on the show and just, you know, say this is never, uh, was never even a, a thought, you know, one way or the other in his mind what was going to happen on Saturday night. And Let's be honest here. The the regular season it, it's it's a long long haul. It's a long process. This is this is body of work over eighteen games. We said he started eighteen games. I don't think twenty minutes in Buffalo is defining the the work that Nick Rose has put in this season. And you know where he's at as a goaltender by any means. Uh, it's, there's a lot more than the twenty minutes that that were played this past weekend. So I 
to me, I don't think there is a, a controversy personally. All right. There you have it, folks. All right. We're going to take a short break here on the podcast. And in just a couple of seconds, we're going to welcome Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer in studio on Toronto Rock Total Access. Stay with us. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Mike Hancock and Kyle Davis with you, and we now welcome Toronto Rock head coach Matt Sawyer in studio with us on the podcast. Matty, how are you doing? Good, guys. Um, you know, good to be back and rolling into the playoffs. Um, so let's talk about the win Saturday night in Buffalo. Uh, a roller coaster of a game. There's all kinds of stuff going on. Scoreboard watching, all this stuff. Um, you know, you've already clinched a playoff spot coming into the game Saturday night with uh, Rochester's loss on Friday. But um, just first of all, your your general impressions on uh, on Saturday's win. Yeah, it was um, you know a good win and a, and a timely one for us. Uh, we've been in a little bit of a funk, so it was uh, um, you know good for the the team to get the result that we did and get feeling better about ourselves. It uh, you know sure was an exciting game, uh, um, lots of uh, back and forth, and um, you know I thought we showed good. Uh, Good character, sticking with it, uh, especially when times were tough. And um, you know, it was good, uh, good to see our offense uh, come through when we needed it most. And uh, you know, at times they've been an easy target, but uh, all along we've uh, said we like our offense. So it was good to see them come through when it uh, when we needed it. Now I mentioned all the scoreboard watching. You know, Vancouver had a 15-10 lead uh, in the fourth quarter of their game. It's getting later in the Rock Buffalo game. How in tune were you guys with what was going on in that other game? Not at all, honestly. Um, you know, the only scoreboard I was watching was the the Buffalo Toronto one. Um, you know, at some point there in the in the fourth, uh, Blaine whispered to me the score, but uh, you know, I didn't really want to know it. But uh, someone passed it on to him, so uh, I shared that with Bruce. But um, you know, I want to say that was around the six or seven minute mark. But uh, our focus was solely on Buffalo Toronto. So it, it seemed as though. When that result was uh, settled, that almost in time cued, you know, part of the comeback here in the game where the Rock were down 15-12 and suddenly it seemed like something sparked something because it it, it started to feel like, you know, the goals weren't going to come necessarily and then suddenly there was seven in a row and it was party time. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know about party time, but uh, we were excited. Yeah, I've yeah. been asked that a few times, but... Uh, you know, honestly, um, it, it wasn't something that we, we mentioned at all, and, and it wasn't a focus of, uh, of ours or our players. Um, you know, so it was total coincidence. But, uh, you know, the goals uh, started falling there in the fourth, but uh, you were, we were pretty uh, strong offensively throughout that whole game, and uh, we got the run when we need, needed it the most and felt like it was going to come there at 12-11 and, and uh, a couple of times earlier. But, um, you know, we shot ourselves in the foot and, and gave up a couple of two- and three-goal runs. But, uh, again, we stuck with it. and. Um, you know, had a huge fourth quarter, and that was nice to see. Uh, you, you, you pulled Rosie there uh, earlier in the in the first half there of the game. I just I don't personally think he he maybe had the support defensively. It wasn't all on on him by any means. But uh, just wanted to get your opinion. Was that to uh, just change momentum up? Was that just to give Rosie a break? We maybe think of putting him back in. Just go through that process, and and you know how how Miller went in there and and did the job that essentially needed to be done for the guys. Yeah, it was uh, good to see Brandon do that, and um, you know, well deserved. I'm sure he felt good about that after the uh, after the game, being able to contribute in that way. He's uh, he's a great teammate. Um, you know, I think Rosie uh, pulled him around the 19 minute mark, if uh, 
if my memory is correct. And, and uh, you're right, um, you know, a lot of those goals, and it's just you look at the way we started that game the second in a row, uh, where we allow, uh, you know, an opportunity right on top of them. So, um, you know, it, uh, it was just to change up some momentum and, and see if we could get a spark. And, uh, you know, we felt we were strong offensively, but, um, you know, defensively we were letting a, a few too many goals in, and, and um, they were right on top of Rody for the most part. There's only really one that, you know, I, I thought that he might want to have back. The rest of them, um, you know, they're right on top of them. And here playing goal on a four by nine and or a net and um, you know you got good shooters bearing down on you so it's tough to uh, to be successful in those situations so it's totally just to try to change some momentum and and um, you know give a spark to the team at the time you're um, you know in the back of my mind it was just going to be something for a, a short period of time and, and see what came of it but uh, B came in there and started playing well and the, the team reacted well so we just rode with it and, and we're able to get the win. And now going into uh, a, a one-game playoff here and, and a quick turnaround, only one practice in between, what's the, what's the plan on going into with the defense to tighten that up? Is, it, uh, do you, you know, is that just a one-off? You, they had a, maybe a rough night, rough start to the game, or do you have to go switch a couple things up tonight at practice going into the New England game so it doesn't happen in such a critical situation? Yeah, uh, you, don't, you don't want it to happen on Saturday night because it's, uh, you know, it's a do-or-die game. And, I'm not sure if it was a one-off. Um, you know, it's kind of been three or four games where it's been um, been like that. And you know, we always look at everything and um, try to make adjustments. But but at the same time, uh, you know, it's important to uh, to stick with the guys and and try to instill some confidence in them. Um, they're a good unit. Uh, they're one of the best in the league. And um, you know, it hasn't felt like that the last three or four weeks. But uh, you know, we'll look at uh, we'll look at our tape. We'll make adjustments. But it's um, you know, it's up to us to give them the tools to to get better. But ultimately, it's in their hands, and we're quite confident in the group we have back there. And um, we got good leadership, and and we've had um, you know great contributions from everybody, the young kids included. And and we're confident that we'll see their best on Saturday night. Now, the fans have not been quiet this week, so we, we're going to pose a question that they have definitely been posing towards us. And, and you can, uh, you know, plead the fifth here, take the fifth or whatever, if you're not uh, interested in letting the, the cat out of the bag here. But have you decided on a starter for Saturday night? That's been the, the big question. And obviously we've discussed it here before you got in the, uh, the studio. But uh, Nick Rose started all 18 games for this team this year, uh, I guess, Maybe the question is, is there any reason why he wouldn't start Saturday night almost? Well, we've definitely um, made our mind up about uh, who's going to be the starter, but it's not something that, uh, um, you know, that is smart to share. You want to keep uh, your opposition guessing at times. What I can say is that, uh, you know, we feel real confident in both of our goalies, both Brandon and Nick, and, um, you know, Nick is a big part of uh, why we got to this point. But, um, you know, Brandon played real well and, and um you know, uh, in Buffalo, and so you're going to make a read on those two things and and uh, make a decision from there. Um, but uh, you know, it's always good to hear from the fans. I don't hear it too much, but uh, it usually gets passed on to me. But um, you know, that's one of the things about being in Toronto is you have a passionate fan base, and and everybody has their opinion, which is what you want. But uh, you know, um, back to what I said originally, we're quite confident in both Nick and Brandon. So seeing what Brandon was able to do coming in in relief in, uh, in an important situation where the game was definitely, you know, still on the line, um, how, how nice was that to see? Because Brandon really hasn't played a lot of lacrosse in the last 365 days here. No, it was, uh, you know, it was great to see for him. And, and uh, B's been, um, you know, he, he came off of a, uh, a major surgery and a major injury and, and um, you know, especially for the, the goaltender position. So, 
Um, you know, while he's been back on our active roster for, you know, uh, just off the top of my head, I want to say the last couple of months, but it's been, uh, it's been a grind for him in, in practice and, and a battle for him to get feeling good about his game. And, and um, you know, we've seen it here in the last two, three weeks, just uh, even in practice, he's moving better and stopping a lot more shots. And, and I'm sure he'd be the first to tell you. But, uh, um, you know, it, it was great to see him come in and, and contribute in that way to a win. Uh, also, Patty Merrill um, draws into the lineup. And uh, those are two, and, and we mentioned it in the room afterwards. It's just, uh, you know, it's a good feeling when we got veterans like that that can come in and they're two of the uh, best teammates that you'll uh, you'll ever um, have on a team. So anytime that they can say, um, you know, they can experience success, uh, especially uh, in a game when you have a, a win, it's, uh, it's a good feeling and, and good for them because they've been uh, great teammates and great supporters of their teammates all year. Rookie Challen Rogers, uh, second overall pick in the 2016 NLL draft, missed the game on Saturday night with an upper body injury. Are we going to see him back uh, Saturday night, or is that still something to be determined? Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, Challen got banged up in the in the game before last, and um, you know we'll take a look here at practice, and and um, you know we're hopeful that uh, that he comes through practice well. We got to uh, make a decision on that tomorrow um, with the uh, with the IR situation and. Um, you know, we're hopeful that we're going to have all of our players at our disposal, but uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see here tonight. That's a big practice for him. Now to talk a little bit more about the opponent on Saturday night, the New England Black Wolves. Uh, <clears throat> two one-goal losses to the team this year, uh, once in overtime in Toronto. Sean Evans was not in the lineup for that game uh, for New England. And then a 15-14 loss where uh, the team rallied late, showed a lot of character, scoring some goals late to, to battle back from a, a big deficit, but uh, you know allowed a, a 6-1 run, I believe, in the second half in that game. Um, maybe the big differences between the first and second meeting and and also maybe uh, what does it mean to get the opportunity to play them on home floor again? Well, um, you know, first off, uh, obviously we're, we're um, excited about playing at home and anytime you don't have to travel, it's a, it's a bonus. But, uh, um, you know, we, um, we're comfortable playing at home and, and that's where you want to play your, uh, your first playoff game. They're, uh, they're going to be a tough opponent for us. Um, you know, all the six teams that, left are, uh, are, that are left in the playoffs are, are there for a reason. Um, you know, we know uh, we know that um, you know what they bring. They have uh, a lot of big names up front and, and uh, um, a good team offense. They got a great goaltender in net and, and Evan Kirk that's on quite a run here for the last couple of years. So we're going to have our hands full. And uh, at the same time, in the two games that we've played them, um, and, and maybe uh, give credit to them, but uh, we don't feel that uh, you know we've really played the game that we need to play to be successful against them. And and that's going to be our focus for. Uh, for Saturday night, but um, you know, there's a lot of good players and a lot of winners on both teams, so I'm sure it's going to be a classic playoff game. You mentioned you don't think you've played your best, and, and the six teams that qualified first New England there, and the six teams that qualified for the playoffs are all there for a reason. Uh, yourself in this group in Toronto and every other team around the league has to feel like they have have a good shot with if you look at the parity and you know Georgia Saskatchewan have separated themselves a bit, but you went both one and one with them respectively. Every like this is wide open pretty much right now. Yeah, and that's uh, just the nature of the league. And you mentioned Georgia and, and, and Saskatchewan, and um, you know, no use worrying about them until you get to face them. But uh, clearly, when you look at the standings, they separate themselves from from the rest of the pack. And uh, we feel we match up well against uh, against everybody. And um, you know, we're hoping to uh, to um, you know carry over the momentum from the the Buffalo win into uh, this Saturday. And and um, I've said it a couple of times, but our plan is to stick around here for a while. And I'm sure that's everybody's plan. But uh, we're confident in ourselves and uh, we know we'll be good Saturday night. 
All right, Maddie. Well, thanks a lot for taking some time to join us here on Toronto Rock Total Access, and hopefully uh, next week we'll be uh, we'll be talking about an East Division Final Game One against the Georgia Swarm. Good luck this weekend. Sounds good. See you next week, boys. All right, that was Matt Sawyer, the head coach of the Toronto Rock. We'll take a short break here and be back with more Toronto Rock Total Access after this. Like the legend of the Phoenix. Welcome back to Toronto Rock Total Access. Great chatting with Maddie Sawyer on the other side there. Uh, Mike Hancock with Kyle Davis. We're going to bring you home here now. We have uh, hyped up quite a bit what we're going to be talking about in the second half of the show, so we better make sure it is darn worth you sticking around to listen to it. Uh, we are going to go through our league award predictions as uh, the regular season, of course, has come to an end. Uh, we're also going to dive a little bit more... Uh, deeper a little bit more deeply something like that into the game this weekend against the new england black wolves on saturday night and uh just talk about a few other things that come to our mind so let's start off with our nll league awards we're gonna start with the uh we're gonna start with the rookie of the year and uh we're gonna do it a little bit differently because uh i don't think that there is anybody that's not going to be putting tom schreiber at the top of their ballot so uh, we are first going to choose who we think is going to be the runner-up for the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, first of all, Tom, that's a no-doubter. That's uh, <laughs> let's move on. Yeah, like we are here. Um, who do we think we're going next? Yeah. Is that the question? Post? Who's the runner-up? <clears throat> I hate to. I mean, I th- don't get me wrong. I think Latrell has been unreal this year, and we haven't ta- touched about it, but him putting up a hattie in Buffalo this past weekend, you know, right across the border from his hometown, St. Catharines, that must have felt good. Uh, you know, you got Messenger. I'm just trying to think of some of the top top guys that would be in contention. Messenger, uh, Keenan, Jackson. I think, personally, I I think it should be you know Latrell just but I watch him here every day I think he's growing so much as a a person the fact he's 18 Um, but I guess if I had to think of I don't even know who votes for this but uh, what in the voters eyes I think they're going to go Jackson Um, maybe it's just because I was an old guy but for some reason I think in these voting scenarios the sexier pick is the offense Um, whether I don't think that's right or wrong I just people or I do think that's wrong, sir. I think people just look at, you know, they can look at, oh, he scored X amount of goals, X amount of points, and he's in the top 20 and score 25 or whatever he's in and scoring. And they don't really see, you know, scroll over far enough to look at loose balls or turnovers or watch a game from start to finish to, to see the little things like, for instance, Latrell is doing. So, I mean, on my ballot, I'd be going Latrell. Uh, but in reality, I think it's going to be Jackson. Yeah, I, I agree with you there, too. Um, I I really think it should be Latrell Harris. Uh, like you said, he started the season as an 18-year-old, turned 19 in the middle of March, and still has three years of junior lacrosse left, which is unbelievable to even think how he's going to go back to junior this summer and uh, play for the St. Catharines A's. But um, I, I just think what Latrell has done, you put those other guys in this league at 18 or 19 years old, the other guys that are in the conversation, probably even Schreiber, you know, who's 25 years old, um, you put those other guys in this conversation, none of them are doing what they did at 18 years old. And you look at Latrell, sets a new rookie record for cause turnovers at 29, second on the team in cause turnovers behind uh, Brody, or I believe maybe they tied. 
second on the team in loose balls, led rookies in loose balls, uh, tied for the rookie goal scoring lead among defenders uh, was seven. So a lot of things to me point to Latrell. Yeah. You know, if you really take a step back, and unfortunately, you know, one of the criteria isn't how old the player is. It is just that it is his first year. But if you looked at what he's accomplished at his age, I almost put him, and this is going to sound wild, but I almost put him above Schreiber, what what Latrell's done this year. I mean, it's... For sure. It's not, it's not really crazy to say to say that. Really, when you take a step back and say, you know, in seven years, when Latrell is the same age the Schreiber is now, how dominant of a player will Latrell be? Probably for, as dominant or more than what Schreiber has shown us this year, realistically. Well, for sure, on the and, defensive side. But. And like I think, you know, not to discredit Schreiber season. That was a that was a hell of a season himself, but. He's got seven years on him, which is crazy, and they're, the fact they're still in the same you know category of rookie here. Tom's played some pro lacrosse in the states, you know, a little more custom with just a professional game, professional environment. Latrell, this guy play, he plays Rochester on the weekend. He's going into school, high school, St. Catharines. Yeah. Matt Vink is <laughs> is, te- is gym teacher, like right? Yeah. Like that's crazy. Yeah, he's got a you know he's that one one night he's shooting on the guy and next he's he's got a hand in a paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. wild. And uh, I may have misspoke there. Six years, I guess technically would be the difference. Not to, sorry to throw that out there, but um, I, I just uh, I I would think Latrell really is to me the hands down runner up in this situation. And like we say, if uh, if all guys were kind of a little bit more equal in terms of age when they come in this league, because. There is a big gap there when you talk about rookies because every once in a while, like in Latrell's case, there's an 18, 19, 20-year-old that decides they're not going the college route, opts in, is a high draft pick, a great talent, comes in and is is very good at the NLL, NLL level. It doesn't happen often, but it happens. You know, Johnny Paulus, Rob Hellier even didn't have a huge first year at, at 18 years old in the league, but was part of a championship team, played in the championship game in 2011 for the Rock. Um, and then on the other side of it, you've got the guys that are finishing college and coming into this league at, you know, roughly, we'll say, 23 years old. Schreiber finished school, didn't play box lacrosse, opted to sign as a free agent with the Rock this year and, and get involved in the box game. So um, long story short, we're both in agreement here on uh, on Latrell bringing the winner up, runner-up and that Schreiber will... We'll take the award. Uh, we'll move on to uh, the Defender of the Year, which I think is a very difficult award. Um, when I look at it personally, I, I broke it down as, you know, there are so many good defenders in this league, and I, I don't know if, you know, we talk about Corbeil, Rubish, Dilks as kind of being, you know, that three-headed monster almost defensively in, in Saskatchewan, and, and how can you kind of stray outside of that group? And I think, you know, if you told me, Corbeil's the defensive player of the year this year. I'm not like that. to me. I don't know what it is, but I can't really argue it, you know, because I think probably a lot of nights he probably is. But other guys can have big games, and I, I feel like it's a little bit tougher to pinpoint this award. And a lot of times it seems to go to the good story. Like Ryan Dilks was was kind of a bit of a good story. I felt like winning the award last year. So I kind of narrowed it down to the top two defensive teams in the league, which were Toronto and Colorado. Colorado allowed one less goal than Toronto did at 199 to Toronto's 200. Then I started thinking, who are the best defenders among that group? And, you know, I started thinking, you know, if is it Coates, Hope, 
I don't know. And then in Toronto, you've got Brody Merrill. And Damon Edwards, actually, was the kind of guy I started to come to a little bit. And maybe you factor in his transition game, and I know there's a transition player of the year award. Don't get me started on that because I think it's a bogus award. But um, maybe Damon's in that conversation. And also just for the fact that a little bit of comeback player of the year award factored in there too, coming off uh, ACL surgery. But Brody Merrill's got to be in that conversation as well. And, uh, you know, and, and like I say, I've written down here, my other note is the group, the collective group on these teams, obviously something's got to mesh as well defensively. And there has to be some cohesion amongst that defensive unit. So um, I don't know if I really have a pick for defensive player of the year. I'm going to throw out Brody Merrill. Um, but again, it, it's it wouldn't surprise me to see Corbiel Rubish, Delks all, all back in that mix again. Yeah, for sure. I think, uh, you know, when we're dealing with so many good defenders in the league, to me, I think off air, I kind of related it to like LeBron James in a way that we in, in the NBA, he's clearly the best player, but that necessarily doesn't mean he gets the MVP every year or, mm-hmm. or gets the award every year. Uh, like you mentioned, Delks was a, was a good story. And I think just to kind of go off what you were saying Damon is is a good story don't get me wrong from where he was last year in, in the injury but he's more than just a good story you can see it on the floor uh you know what he means to the team he scored some huge goals transition you know the way he flies up the floor and and his defensive play in the end of it though just I I agree with you in in terms of, of Brody Merrill uh you watch this guy at night and he's a beast out there and you know he does it all. He's he scored some big goals this year. He's matching up against every team's best offensive weapons. He's you know got a fight. He's fighting uh, in Vancouver there. Like he's doing it all. Wearing the C. I I think he's a very good candidate to to put forth for the award. But uh, as you said, I think this is one of the tighter, I guess, ballots. You know that the voters will have to uh, to deal with. Yeah, and the reason why we're not picking a transition player of the year is, like I said, I I hate the award. I think it's totally bogus. Um, I think transition is just a part of the game. I don't think it's a position. Uh, Even though in this league we do list transition players as a position, um, I don't love always comparing things to hockey when it comes to lacrosse. But in this case, you know, if a hockey defenseman, you know, is a puck-moving defenseman, to draw a parallel here, very similar to a defender in lacrosse who moves the ball up the floor and the guy who can make a play in the offensive zone. Um, hockey didn't create a position for the puck-moving defenseman to put that down on the, uh, you know, on the lineup card. Nor did they make a, nor have they made an award that is for the best puck-moving defenseman. So, transition player of the year to me is is something that for whatever reason in my mind anyways, has been totally fabricated and, and just made up out of nowhere. It's like it's a, not a position. I, I I just think it's a, it's a product a part of, the, of game. the game. Yeah. Like a transition from defense to offense. Just and happens. then now recently it seems like in the last, you know, handful of years we get the new term is reverse transition. Well, when, <laughs> when are we going to have the reverse transition player of the year? Anyway, so we're moving on from transition player of the year. We will jump into the most controversial award, the goalie of the year. I think it's a two horse race here but uh what's your pick yeah i think i agree two horse race i think one you know here in our own backyard nick rose and the other one in contention it's ironic they're good buddies and played junior together in, in colorado dylan ward uh, i mean colorado came in here unfortunately we didn't get the result we we wanted i thought 
we necessarily didn't have the best shot selection on Ward, and at the time we got to see him, obviously he played well. He got the, got the win. That was the main reason out. Um, I I think Nick has been just solid from start to finish. You know, obviously minus like we, we said, he had a twenty minute hiccup um, over the course of a year of eighteen games. That's that's minimal though. That's if if your goal is starting eighteen and has twenty minute of a bad stretch, yeah, you'll take that ten out of ten times. Uh, you know, I scored a couple goals. Not that that matters in terms of goaltender of the year. It's talking about great stories. Uh, I'm going to go with Nick Rosso for the, for the goaltender over the of the year in a, a slight margin over his buddy Dylan Ward. Um, yeah, I agree with you. I don't think the voters in the league are going to see it that way, but <clears throat> I I do think Nick Rose is the goalie of the year, and a big part of it is just because as good as Dylan Ward has been this year, Nick Rose for really the better part of the first two months of this season was dominant and was at the time a runaway, you know, favorite for this award. You know, I think people were like, this is, this is over. You know, if Nick, you know, plays pretty well at a a close to this clip, like no one else was even, you know, there was a couple months there where we got to a point where, uh, you know, he was a full goal or more better than the next guy in terms of goals against average and his save percentage was better than that. He had, he had a stretch of this season that was out of this world, you know, off the charts. Um, I don't think Dylan Ward had that stretch necessarily, maybe, maybe on a smaller scale, but not for quite as long as Rosie did. Uh, I do think the two goals factor into it or they should anyways. I think it's uh it's, it's an accomplishment no matter how you slice it. You are throwing the ball down yeah. into an empty net, but I think it also speaks to the fact that you've played well enough in that game that the team at the end of the game is pulling their goalie trying to win the game because you've played that good. You've created that margin and that separation in the game as well to factor into it. And then just the fact of putting the ball in the net is is something, you know, the fact you did it twice this year, something nobody else has done, um, I think that's something to factor into it as well. Had he had a bit stronger of a april be no doubt this would be a i think a slam you mentioned his stretch at the start and what do we say the league average of goals per game is what i don't know 10 11 or 12 or 12, in, in there yeah roughly looking back to games like game one in rochester gives up five game, yeah you know even the loss against new england what was that nine nine, nine eight, in regulation nine in regulation the loss to rochester at home nine, nine in regulation like yeah well below league average here and like unheard of really yeah. like to put it hold a team less than 10 and he's done it multiple times so yeah so anyways that's that's why rosie's my pick anyways i <clears throat> i think there's uh lots to factor into this award rosie played more minutes than anybody and not that that is should be a determining factor necessarily but you know dylan ward does end up with a, a little nicer looking uh one loss record as well than rosie who finishes at eight and eight so um you know, there's going to be a strong argument for Dylan Ward. Uh, I still would go with Rosie, like I said, but I think the I think the voters are probably going to go uh, go with Dylan Ward on this one. Unfortunately for Rock fans, so um, we'll finish with the MVP. Let's talk uh, coach and general manager. Again, I I feel like on the coach of the year, it's a bit of a two horse race here. I believe too because um, it's not always again you talk about these awards and like the good story and i don't think it's always a great story to just give it to you know the 
the coach of the team that had the best record. And um, I think Eddie Como has to get consideration in Georgia. I don't think Derek Keenan enters the, the conversation this year simply because he's been there too many times. And I think that he's got such a great team there. He has done a fabulous job not only assembling it but also coaching it. But I, I just think he almost subtracts his himself from the conversation because he's as good as he is, <laughs> almost as weird as that sounds. So then after that, I think <clears throat> Matty Sawyer and, and Jamie Batley are the next two guys in there. Both took 5-13 and 13 teams back to the playoffs and into a situation where they're hosting a, a divisional semifinal, which uh, – Again, at the end of the last season, I don't think a lot of people would have said was a possibility. So uh, I, I think it's kind of a, a coin toss between three guys, although I don't know how many three, three-sided coins there are out there. But um, maybe I'm way off here on the three finalists, but who I think are the three finalists anyways. But who's your pick? Yeah, I, no, I agree. I, like you said, both teams 5-13 and 13 last and tied for last, respectively in the league last year and to turn around and host a playoff game I think is quite a quite a season where the difference for me would come in I guess it's first of all it's actually crazy we're saying Jamie Batley in this <laughs> what <laughs> week eight we had him gone he's gone but yeah. you know good for him obviously and good for the stealth but uh where the difference comes for me would be the insertion of all the all the youth all the rookies here the insertion of you know a couple American guys who have never played box across in their life uh that to me i mean if we're saying it's a coin flip that little component would separate it for me towards towards maddie uh you know obviously there had to go to kira mccardle and tom schreiber we saw it here firsthand they were getting coached well before training camp you know um, a lot went into you know the success they had this year and saw and then let alone you know putting in the guys like latrell magnuson and i'm sure they went through through hiccups and got coached through it as well and just to have that many into the lineup at the same time I think says a lot about the staff and and Maddie for sure I think uh for pretty much all the same reasons you threw out there Maddie Sawyer's uh my pick as well Jamie Batley had a probably a better uh, offensive group anyways on paper maybe um defensively on paper I think probably the rock were were better and are better and in net were better as well but um you know, I think uh, I think this is an award that Matty Sawyer will will hopefully win. Uh, I think it'll be very deserving. I, I think for all those reasons, the rookies, the the teaching that had to go on this year, the young guys uh, adjusting to this level, and and just what this team has become in a year uh, with so much change, I think I got to give it to uh, Matty Sawyer. Uh, GM of the year, um, quick pick here. I I don't see anybody else really other than. Uh, Jamie Dowick here getting this award. Um, the amount of change in this roster this year and bringing this team back to the back to the playoffs uh, after a five and thirteen season and just uh, pretty much a, a near complete overhaul of the roster and a successful one. Um, I, I don't know. I don't really know if there could or should be anybody else in the conversation at this point. No. Yeah. No. I agree for sure. You know, some of the similar reasons we talked about. Maddie, you know, Jamie, go, you know, f- finding the Americans or bringing the Americans in, willing to, you know, take that, I guess, risk on, I guess you could say, even with the youth, go, you know, taking a taking a big jump with, obviously they knew what, you know, somewhat about Luttrell and taking him as a second rounder, fairly high up in the draft, 18-year-old, but 
I don't think anyone could have foreseen this, but that was a, that was a bold move, and you know the it's paid off. And you know some of the some of the other moves, I don't, I don't think it's uh, there's any question as well. And you know where the team's at now, we're hosting a playoff game, and it starts at the top. And I think <clears throat> maybe the other nominees, one of them, John Arlotta, maybe uh, with the Swarm. Um, you know, there's a guy who, who collected first round picks for a long time, missed absolutely on some of them, has hit recently, and it, the Swarm are reaping the rewards and, of that. And then maybe Derek Keenan, who, you know, did make a couple of tweaks on a championship roster that has kept uh, his team quite relevant. The one, uh, yeah, in Georgia there. To, to me, I guess, would be, you know, the, the, the runner-up or in the conversation, however you want to word it. But it seemed like even when they are in Minnesota, from the outside, you could see how they wanted to build their team, how, you know, going with the youth and a potent offense and, you know, it didn't really click. And to see it all come together the way it has for Georgia, um, you know, it's, it's been fun to, to track them as much as we, you know, we're going to hopefully – be rooting against them here next weekend but it's been fun to track them there and it, it has come together fa- fairly nice for them over there all right and to wrap things up our most valuable player award um i'll keep mine short and sweet this time instead of rambling on uh, i am going to go with mark matthews who finished his second in the league in scoring um i just think he probably is uh the best player in the game right now uh for me sean evans is always going to be in that conversation uh big fan of evie um, Lyle Thompson leads the league in scoring this year, but uh, just a crazy great offensive cast around him. I think pads his stats just a little bit, even though Matthews also has a great group. But uh, Matthews, I feel like, is just still probably do, probably do. I think it's his time to win the award. For sure. And, I mean, I know we've been saying we agree on, on a lot here, but uh, I, I agree as well. You, Off air, I've told you what I, you know, I think of Matthews as a player and the perfect combination of size you know he can burn you with speed go to the net he he's got some of the nicest hands in the league he can outside rip inside dangle whatever you name it offensively and he can do it and he's uh he's a big part of uh you know the success saskatchewan's had over the years all right so that wraps up our awards picks uh let us know if you agree or disagree post a comment somewhere we'll be sure to uh read it up Anyways, we are going to move on to uh, just a, a, a closer look at this New England-Toronto game this Saturday, and we're going to uh, try to move along, I guess, uh, somewhat quickly here as uh, this final segment is taking on a new life uh, of its own here. Kyle, you've done some research. You have figured out have. the keys to victory and what will be the difference on Saturday this night. Is, so let's uh, hear it. Yeah, you know it's playoff time when I'm taking notes. Right. So, You're right? in playoff mode, Taking yeah. notes here before the show, and it's a big step for me too. Couple little things I, I was just diving into, and I think could be uh, you know a difference maker here. Just to, first of all, these teams are so tight. You got uh, you know New England finishing eight and ten, Toronto nine and nine. They're they're a game difference over a season that's that's not much at all. Two one goal wins by New England this year. One in overtime. One you know very well could have went to overtime. Toronto had a shot late. Very tight. Top two loose ball teams in the league: New England, Toronto. So obviously on the ground they're both getting after it and picking up uh, picking up the garbage on the floor, which uh, obviously can relate to a lot of great things in, in, in the results. Two, oh, sorry here now my notes are a little confusing <laughs> here. New England one more goal on the season than Toronto. So offensively very similar uh, over the course of the season. The one difference in the two teams with the stats: 
New England, the most penalty minutes in the league. Toronto, second at least amount of penalties in the league. I think that could be the differences on the power play. If if Toronto can stay disciplined, um, have their their big guys Hickey, Schreiber, LeBlanc feeling good about it, and giving them the opportunity to to get some extra looks on the power play, I think that's where Toronto could could burn New England because you know the numbers and and the results uh, they're both so tight and they're, it's going to be an even matchup. But uh, you know I think if something's going to give here, it's going to be uh, the, the special teams this Saturday. And when we look at the 10-9 game in Toronto, power plays, New England went 0 for 3, Toronto went 2 for 5. So there's another uh, check mark in your favor there. Yep. And then in the even in the 15-14 loss in New England, Toronto 3 for 6 on the power play, New England 2 for 4. So Toronto outpower played uh, New England uh, 5 goals to 2. I guess they're getting more opportunities too, games. right? Yeah, so if you, absolutely. And yeah. in both games, one more power play goal was the difference in either game. Yeah, and New England actually had, uh, what's that, 29, 41 penalty minutes to Toronto's 23 in the uh, in the two games head-to-head. So um, pretty interesting stuff there that you uh, dug up. unearthed. <laughs> I was digging deep. Very well done. Very well done, Katie. All right, so... Uh, Let's jump in our, into our predictions here. Uh, you're up. I uh, I was thinking about this earlier today as well, so just to tie into like playoff mode, I yeah. actually <laughs> thought about it before the show. Right. And uh, both games have been tight. I don't see why you know playoff lacrosse this one wouldn't. I think as I mentioned, the difference is going to be in the power play. I think it's going to be. I got a Toronto win, and I think the score I'm going to go. Fourteen. 11 Toronto. I think Toronto's offense carries it over a bit, not with a 19 spot, but still a, a solid outing at 14. Defense and Rose tighten up a bit if Rose is the starter, as I, I was kind of going off what I was saying earlier, and at 14-11. Well, I think the offense is going to carry on uh, where they left off on uh, Saturday night in Buffalo as well to some degree. Uh, I kind of had a wild thought today of what the score was going to be, but I don't think it's going to be quite that wild um, but I've got Toronto 17, New England 12. 17-12. That would be well, obviously that would be great. You know what my original to... number was? I, I thought Toronto was going to top 20 goals. That was my original <laughs> thought. In my head, I don't know why, I thought 21 for 21. some reason. But I, I shaved her back down to 17. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so 17-12 is my pick. Uh, aggressive, I think, maybe on both sides. And when I say that, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a 10-9 game. Hope, yeah. Hopefully not overtime. You know what? I don't want to see overtime. One way or the other, I, I don't. I, I honestly, while it would be very exciting going into a game, I, I don't want anybody seizing on on one shot here. No, especially a, a birth in a one in game winner one take game all. Division. One, I, I don't want. I want somebody to win this game for sure. I, I, want I it agree. To be Trump. I think yeah, it'll be. Trump. I think it will by five. Apparently, <laughs> that's the line right now. Well, we got lots of good stuff going on in terms of ticketing. Uh, of course, people, uh, season ticket holders, you have the ticket to the first home playoff game included in your season ticket package. So bring those tickets, scan them in like normal. If you're an upper bowl season pass holder, what do you got to do, Kyle? Yeah, if you're an upper bowl season pass holder, we have your tickets in an account for you. Do you have the first right to those tickets? 
Uh, you can give us a shout at 416-596-3075 or go on torontorock.com. You have two options. You can go on a game-by-game basis or lock into our all-in playoff pack, essentially meaning you know when Toronto moves on, you are locked in at uh, at that rate and get your same seats for the fall, for the next game and the remainder of the playoffs. You don't have to call us back. We would essentially just process it accordingly and email or have those tickets at the the Air Canada Centre box office. However, you uh, you know selected to to have the the pickup method. There is also great single. Single seats available. Um, again, those can be purchased at uh, you know TorontoRock.com or by calling the office. Once again, the number is 416-596-3075. Playoff in Toronto, though, it seemed to have been you know the theme here last couple couple weeks. You had the Leafs, the Rafters, and why not the Rock now? So, if you're you're a sports fan, lacrosse fan, there's no reason not to get down there. And you know we mentioned it's a one game. There's no really better atmosphere from a from a fan perspective i'm sure if you ask you know the teams or coaches maybe it's a little different in terms of <laughs> yeah, they might like a series a yeah. series but uh there's nothing better than the one game you know do or die winner takes takes all for a chance in the uh the east finals maybe i zoned out but did you talk about the all-in playoff pack I mentioned the all-in playoff you did, pack. Okay. I did yeah, well, I meant I kind of touched on it for <laughs> for the for the upper bowl passes, but even if you're you're a flex pack buyer, you know, a mini plan buyer or you've just not any of those buyers, you just want to lock into the all-in. It's still You want to jump all in? You want to jump all in yeah. with the Toronto Rock. It's it's available for anyone. Um, it is uh, recommended in the sense uh, for a, a price discount in terms of, you know, if they do move forward, you're you're locked in at that price opposed to you know prices as the the playoffs go on so that is uh, available for anyone just to clear up clear that up and if you do have any questions don't hesitate to get in touch with an account executive here and they'll be more than happy to uh to go over that with you in further details representatives are standing by between nine and five <laughs> you can call 416-596-3075 uh or email tickets at torontorock.com that'll get you uh an answer potentially after hours um so that'll about, uh, just about do it for the podcast this week. A lengthy edition, actually, now that uh, we're looking at the math here on it. But uh, thanks for sticking around and uh, soaking it all in here as the playoffs get started. This Saturday night, the Toronto Rock and the New England Black Holes at Air Canada Centre. Great seats still available. TorontoRock.com slash tickets is where you can find them. Or like we've said multiple times in the last few minutes, give us a call here at the office, 416-596-3075. Or tickets at TorontoRock.com on the mail. So uh, that's about it. We will see everybody Saturday night. In the meantime and in between time, for Kyle Davis, I am Mike Hancock saying we will chat next week. Stop the rock. Stop the rock. Stop the rock. Stop the rock. Can't stop the rock. Stop the rock. Can't stop the rock. Stop the rock. Can't stop the rock.